Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast. All things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000 and for the 250th time. That's right, folks. Our 250th episode tonight. A huge uh, benchmark for us as well as podcasting in general. My name's Eric. With me is my co-host, Robert. Hello. So first thing, we got a ton of mail from last week's episode of something you probably not expected. And uh, mostly for you, Robert. And the question was... What were your thoughts on the Goff Rocker? Well, I mean, no, no, I am not going to sing the Christmas Carol because it's the best Christmas Carol ever, and no one, and I mean no one, wants to hear me do an orc impression. <laughs> yes, folks, another uh, to go with your uh, noise marine with the guitar. You now have a lead singer, so ready to go. I'm hoping for a uh, four-armed emperor to play the drums, so that would be some sick beats. And uh, in the future episode, but in the meantime, the golf rocker is available for Christmas. Makes a great stuffing, st- stocking stuffer for those who have everything in the hobby. So goes along with the holiday box. Yeah, I know for a fact that the actual band, the golf rockers, will probably appreciate. It'll get some traffic onto their YouTube channel. Is there really a band called the Golf Rockers? Oh yeah, no, they like they actually play shows in in like in full orc attire with like the giant foam heads to make oh them my look God. like orcs. <laughs> oh, that sounds like hilarity. All right, I thought Bolt Thrower is bad enough, but okay. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. It's their music actually isn't that bad, but it is definitely a couple of years old. Yeah, good to know. I'll check that out on. Uh, I guess wherever you can find them on YouTube. So they're probably that old. They might have a MySpace page still. So who knows? Oh, no, 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 no. They're they're not that old. (laughs) I'm that old. Anyway, so lots to go over this week. Um, Earlier it was teased by Frontline Gaming. They had an announcement bigger than LVO. Usually hype like this doesn't uh, really live up up to the talk, but... um, Indeed it does. We had a preliminary thought about it, and uh, so now that we have it in writing, we're going to go over that in greater detail. Before we do that, um, those of you who probably listen to other podcasts, some of your aggregators probably have picked up those doing an Astro Militarum Codex review, because yes, the non-disclosure agreements are up, and the news is out. And um, Robert, what's your first thoughts of the Imperial Guard coming five years removed from their last Codex? Well, well... If I can just ch- like change assassinate to three points for every character model that I kill instead of entire character unit, that'd be great. Because the the new company officer stuff where it's like a unit of five characters is silly. It's a kind of the court of the archon scenario when they actually explain. Oh, actually, it's base five dudes. You can add extra dudes and an Ogryn bodyguard. <laughs> Yeah, it's, and I'll tell you, a quote of the Archon doesn't really buff anybody with the exception of the, the Lamian, and there's only two units that it buffs. So it's like, uh, what does it do? Okay. So, I don't know. It. There are a couple things that, I know my biggest concern last time we talked was the, uh, the order system. I mm-hmm. do like the way they put forward that, okay, the officer stands here. If you're in the aura range, you get the order so they can give the orders out to mm-hmm. multiple units, especially because now that the uh, guardsman unit has been kind of locked into what's in the box is what you get. So 10 soldiers, no more, no less. But the good news is all the all the gear, the, the plasma guns, the box casters, all that stuff is free. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of cool. 
but I do like that it's all in one phase. And if you got a guy who screws up and tries to give two orders to the same unit, rather than playing gotcha hammer and getting a go you know, screaming judge at the top of your head, um, top of your lungs rather, I don't know what the top of your head is. But anyway, uh, it specific says the last order given is the one that applies. I was like, cool, I can live with that. Yeah, like, I know, I think there might be some stratagems that exist. I kind of lost track of all of those that might allow a unit to receive two different orders and keep both benefit. But other than that, most of the benefits that you get are from the super flavorful because it's supposed to be Cadia, but we all know Cadia is gone, um, along with Yarrick. Sorry, Yarrick. A little surprised by that. But basically, when you have, when you create a regiment, you can potentially pick two bonuses for your doctrine. So instead of being like, oh, I'm Cash Hands, I get specifically this, or I'm Cadians, get this. It's you can mix regiments kind of thing. There are some that you can't double up on. Like I think it's the Trophy Hunters one is the only one that you don't get to I double believe up so, on. But it's one of the worst ones though. So Yeah, it's only specifically good against like knight armies and other vehicle heavy armies like um freebooter orcs kind of thing. Or Tyranids. <laughs> because of monsters. Um, oh, I didn't pick up on that. Ooh, I might retract my yeah. statement. <laughs> yeah, because I think the the trophy hunter one is, specific, is for vehicles and monsters, don't you? But um, it, it's a very flavorful way that you can look at someone's guard army. You can look at two different guard armies, and they may not they may look exactly the same, like they're the same exact, but they aren't the same army because they have different regimental bonuses. I think that's a really really cool thing. Instead of here, take your custom traits and not get the bonuses of the major thing well the thing that really threw me off on this one and probably this is a situation where i, I understand the codices especially with covid they don't always get written in the order that they're released so this might so but i always kind of tend that the last two or three codices released give us a hint of the next edition right so the one thing we noticed right off the bat is what's in the box is what's in the unit so that it seems like they're getting away from mixing and matching things or having to buy arm bits in and in weapon sprues mm -hmm. to customize your guys okay second thing i'm noticing uh they're really striking down on no model no data slate so your uh conscripts are gone uh heavy weapons teams i think are gone there's a couple you know the, the new weapons heavy weapon teams that replace those there's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. three or four units that were the mainstay of the you know, the Brandon Grant era Imperial Guard are gone, which I'm curious to hear his thoughts on this codex. But the thing that blows my mind is what you're describing there is there's no sub-factions. So, no, you don't take Cadians. You don't take Catagens. When you can, but all you do is get a keyword. So you say, okay, what traits do I get? You don't. You pick the two that you want or um, Born Soldiers, the basically the one we saw from the Balanced Data Slate, six to hit on a wound. And yes, they count as an automatic six to wound for any other additional effects. But uh, unlike the Votan book, which had no build your own factions, you only could take the fixed sub, sub factions. This has no sub factions. So no special relics, no special stratagems, no special warlord traits for each of the, mm -hmm. uh, the no talerins, no who the guys with the pith helmets. Uh, 
Yeah, no Talarns, no Vestroians, no Cadians, no Cadians. They still have, um, like, the Death Korg of Krieg guys still exist as a basic troop choice, I believe. Yes. They're the most expensive, but they get access to, I think, they get a metapack equipment, just like Votan does. I think they have a, like, a mini transhuman effect on them. Yeah, uh, they can't be wounded on ones and twos, and I believe they have a cover bonus. Like, they always count as light cover. And if they're in light cover, I think they count as dense cover and light cover. I think that's how it works. Yeah, if they already have light, they gain dense. There it is. Um, but yes, to correct you, the Votan book does actually have a build-your-own league. <gasps> I missed that. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Right. Theirs is a little different because normally it's like pick two right. or pick one. Theirs is pick three, but one of them has to be from this specific bunch. So like the AdMac one. Okay. Yeah, and they're all pretty okay. But again, it's the if you take a custom faction, lose out on their on the really good warlord traits and relics from main. So from what I understand, if you're playing in Astrobilitarum, you do not lose that. You're good to go. As far as I can read, this will definitely take some ingesting of the codex in depth once it's available to everyone. Because I'm not going to buy the Cadia stands box because I have no interest in playing guard. Yeah. I'm with you there, and Guard is by far my least favorite faction in the game. And um, but um, they're an interesting faction, and um, I've also heard specifically already announced that it is not officially available for tournament play until the actual Guard Codex comes out. So I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. That's that one. I've definitely heard as well. That one's more attached to Games Workshop itself because they don't want to have a scenario of the Orc or the Chaos Knight book, where if you bought these box set, you got the book first, and then the book comes out like a month later. Um, So I know for us in the local league here, we have talked it over, and the guard book is going to be legal from the box set because it is a actual item that is out in the world. So you can technically find the book to use the updated rules, so that way you can play new guard in our local Arizona league. But I think it's it's a good thing to go like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Because when you look at Votan, Votan was a box set that only gave you like three or four different units and you couldn't get anything else. Guard has an entire range that's already available. And quite frankly, there's not a lot of new models. So realistically, guard players have what they need to play the game today. Mm-hmm. Unless you want the new Rogel Dorn tank. Then you better get a whole bunch of duct tape and put four Lehman Russes together. <laughs> yeah, the Karskin or, or Kaskin? I've never known how to pronounce that. It, yeah, it's Kasterkin. Kasterkin. Those seem to be pretty cool as well because they get a third mm-hmm. trait and you can't duplicate it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And also, they're mathematically better than Scions. <laughs> Duh. Because Scions don't get regiment bonuses, as far as I remember from hearing from Auspec, from Auspec's tactics. That is really hard to say. Yeah, it is. This is very yes. well, though. But yes, otherwise, Guard is... I do think it is going to be a very fun army to play with and play against, because it's not a, it's not a scenario of, oh, we are just incredibly oppressive all the time kind of thing. It's, no, you are still 
guardsman, you are still only toughness three of the four up armor save. And from reading it, the armor of contempt bit only is really attached Lehman Russes and stuff. Nothing else really gets it. So your AP1 and AP2 weapons are still going to tear guardsmen. If you can get through all 210 of them, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, that is always the thing. Like, um, because there's no more Katachans, um, the one guy that's that was at the Dallas Open every time I went who brought 300 conscripts has to play a different list finally. Yeah. Oh, those conscripts. Yeah, there was, there was a, a time in the conscript spam and all that stuff and the crazy commissars at the time. That was another disaster. But it is one thing. They do have a lot of leadership bonuses. They have multiple orders, which all stack pretty well. So I was like, hmm, okay, mm-hmm. this could be... Um, could be quite formidable. So yeah, even though they're a little limited in their stat line, they have a lot of easy access buffs that have no countermeasure. So even now, I was even looking at it from a morale standpoint. Can I like cause you know do a little damage to five units and see how many pick up the you know pick up the pieces and run away? Because they share leadership with their officers, you're gonna have to do you're gonna need some shenanigans to to be able to pull that off. So oh yeah, no, it's definitely gonna be a thing of you are better off just deleting a unit of guardsmen than trying to cause leadership unless you have ways of messing with leadership like chaos knights so chaos knights yeah we have a gigantic 12 inch bubble of haha minus one leadership booga 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 but by exposing our knights we're gonna be in the firing lane for all the tanks all the tanks yeah so it's definitely gonna be I think it's going to be a fun game either way, playing into guard, unless you find someone who tries to do, like, here's three Lehman Russes, three Rogaldorns, and and doesn't let anyone have fun because they just created a, a leaf blower list that doesn't care about primary. I've had a few run-ins with that list, so... <laughs> it can go either way. It's either a big win or a big loss, so it's um, depending on the matchup. Yep. I will say this right now to anyone who is listening. Spread it to your friends. If you bring th- three Bane Blades, I will buy you a bucket of beer. <laughs> because that takes serious cojones to bring that many big tanks and you just hopefully kill your opponent. <laughs> well, later in our tournament section, we'll be talking about a guy who brought three big tanks of a different variety to an event and made it on stream. So I'll have to talk about him. Yep, I owe that man a beer. <laughs> But as we teased at the beginning of the show, and you've also heard the tease earlier in the week, and in case you missed the big announcement on Singles from the Frontline, uh, Frontline Gaming has uh, flexed their muscles a little bit and added a new wrinkle to the ITC. And um, I'll have to say, I, I was thinking about something, you know, if I had won the uh, billion dollar uh, lotto- lottery ticket from last week, quite frankly, I would have probably done the same thing. I probably would even be more restrictive. So what is it? It's real simple. I'm going to read it verbatim. Um, the winner of each of the champions of tabletop qualifiers. So there are certain qualifying events. I'll give you a hint. It's all the frontline gaming events, with an exception, and we'll get to that in a second. So if you win the event, it's just like NASCAR, you qualify for the LVO. And what happens is that the top eight ITC-ranked qualifiers continue to day two of LVO with three wins. That's right, folks. If you're in the top eight and you're showing up for LVO, you got game day one off. So not only is it, well, wait a minute, well, we'll get into some of these logistics of how this works. But the advantage there is that's one free day of less than dealing with a stiff back reaching over the table. 
And actually some players have said, that's great. I'll walk around and see what the meta is and start getting some practice in to figure out what I have to face. If you're ranked between 9 and 16, you get rounds 1 and 2 off. And if you uh, just get, uh, if you're ranked between 17 and 24, you get round 1 off. So you have to start playing on round 2. In all three cases, how many battle points do I get? I don't want to get that crappy 70 like it says in the rulebook. No, you don't. The points are the average of the top 100 scores for whatever round you're entering in. So, for example, if you uh, took day, if you're one of the top eight qualifiers, points are the average of the top 100 scores from day one of LVO. Then the next guy would be the, from rounds one and two. And then, of course, if you're in the third grouping, just the top 100 scores from round one. Interesting. So right off the bat. Now, if someone has won three qualifiers, that means you went to three of these FLG events and you won all three. And we've seen that done in the past. We've seen, you know, one, was it John Lennon who won three GW events? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. He, he would, he, to steal the thunder from Eric, if you win three qualifying events, you are automatically put into the day, you have day one off category. In the top eight. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, friendly gaming reserves the right to exclude a player from qualification status should their conduct warrant it determined by Frontline Gaming's discretion. So uh, watch that code of conduct. That's all it says for that part. So what does that mean? That means for the rest of us slobs who languish in mid-table obscurity, day one, and it's going to be uh, pretty nice because Shark Tanks uh, is going to be a little, a little empty, uh, a little bit. There's some extremes uh, to this. I've heard this while well, rounds one through three now are diluted, and then you're going to go three and oh, and then on day two, you're going up against uh, Jack Harpster, and the tears will start to flow. Correct me if I'm wrong, the last three LVOs have had over 800 players. Mm-hmm. So taking out the top 28, that's like <laughs> barely a, a, a Dixie cup in the ocean. <laughs> that, is l- that is less than a percent. Yeah, of the actual player base. So when you put someone like, for instance, my tournament schedule, I am planning on going to three FLG. I'm planning to go to Denver. I'm planning on going Lone Star. I'm planning on going to SoCal. If I can magically win each and every single one of them, I, a a Joe Schmo from the middle of Arizona, would be now slotted up into the top echelon of players for LVO. And that is a humongous thing that a lot of people cannot conceivably, unless they play to that level every single day, every single game, and don't bother putting on the brakes. Do you know how mentally tiring that would be for an entire year? Yeah. It's, and then other people are just like losing their minds over, like you said, okay, we'll pick, we'll pick on you for a second, Robert. Since we, mm-hmm. So you go and it happens to be that two of the events you're going to are within 30 days of each other. And you decide, I'm going to play this new codex. It just came out because it's shiny. And lo and behold, it's broken. And then within six weeks of release, it's finally balanced to some level of playability. But because of that brokenness, you've won two qualifier events. Mm-hmm. And then, well, guess what? <laughs> You've got the first two rounds off, at least, assuming you, you know you can find the next broken thing or just get better with whatever you're playing with. And people are like, "Oh, that's not fair!" I'm like, it's still happening now. I'm like, "What's the big mm-hmm. deal?" Yeah. So if you put it in perspective, like all all of the surge of people that picked up Lisa Votan over the last month. Okay, everyone 
that was like, no, I want to win, and Votan is the way to do that, they got tripped up because of the internet outcry and the day two or day three FAQ after. People will army hop to play the most broken thing in the game, and there is nothing wrong with that. That is their form of fun. So if they go to an event, like let's um let's bring up guard. Okay, if guard's the most broken thing in the game, even excluding world eaters, which is coming out after guard is the most broken thing in the game. Guard wins the next three majors, not in, like e including LVM. Okay, what's stopping people from figuring out how to beat guard? And then once guard's not good anymore, all of those people are going to sell their army, move to the next one, and. So there's a lot go there in to unpack, and I don't, I I I like it because there's a qualification type thing, and it does encourage you to go to these larger events. And I'm curious to see is that what happened when they got rid of the requirement that you had to have a minimum of three GT levels or and two majors for your maximum score? Mm -hmm. Is this their way to get around that now? I don't know. And um, yeah, I kind of looked at it. As like I said, my proposal <laughs> was even more. I mean, basically, you go to an FLG event, we take your ITC scores from that. That's the top group. The top winners, <laughs> hell, they make it to the shadow round. <laughs> yeah, like that's a, like this entire qualifier thing is very much. It can be good. It can be bad. We actually need to see how it works out. Because the first qualifying in the next year's roster is the Cherokee. Now, if you want your event to become a qualifier, you need to reach out to FLG, plead your case, and if they go, okay, yeah, we'll have your event be a qualifier, there are criteria you have. You need to have, at the start of round one, you need to have every single list submit. If a single list does not get submitted, you are instantly losing your qualification. You need to have 58 players at the start of round one. and it's preferred but not mandatory that the top four tables use exclusively flg that one kind of put me off because our wonderful terrain down here in arizona that we had for the smite club open and scorched earth amazing and it functions just like flg terrain so yeah there's there's two things that kind of the other thing that it thought was oh they announced this guess what they announced this week black friday deals on all frontline gaming terrain <laughs> mm -hmm. i mean i think that was a but <laughs> it's um I don't. it's <laughs> fair fair it's definitely a if any event can be can reach that level and maintain it then yeah it's going to be a major event it's going to be two days and people who are going to go to that are going to get a bunch of points if they do well so we might as well reward them and it's only the top 24 players so if you're even behind a person by like a tenth of a point well sorry you're in 25th it's a hard cutoff yeah so it's it's gonna have to play out a little bit to see how well it works out yeah for me the biggest thing is approved by frontline gaming and the flg judge team in advance how far in advance? Nothing's worse than planning one of these events than the week before the event you find out you're not a qualifier. Um, I agree. If you, How many of these qualifiers are they going to give out? Because they have to fill up 24 slots. Um, does that mean, okay, there's eight events. Does that mean there's 16 more qualifier events? Uh, I mean, realistically, you'd like to think Nova and Adepticon would be qualifier events. But we don't know. Maybe they won't apply. Maybe they have a grudge. I don't know. <laughs> you well, know, and... When they talked about this, they actually qualified, they actually clarified that LVO 
and Cruise Hammer are not going to qualify. That's right. I did forget about that. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They only have seven of these events. And that's why you'll probably see events like the Dallas Open, um, the Adepticon Champs, um, maybe Midmo Maelstrom, like all of these other large events that we've all started seeing pop up across the country and even across the world. Those events get so large that they have no reason to not be a qualifying event. And to appeal to our international listeners, which we have quite a few, so guten Abend, mein Freund. There will be at least one qualifying event in the UK, European Union, and Oceania, so most likely Australia, based on population. So there's mm-hmm. a chance we may get some qualifying events from other parts of the world. So that's pretty cool. I, I do tip my hat to them for that. Mm-hmm. It is definitely going to something refreshing because when you have, like for instance, our Smite Club, for us at Smite Club Open, our, we had something like, what, just over like 55 people at the start of round one? Something like that. Yeah. It was, we did hit the major level. So that was, yeah, so 58, I think it was. Yeah. So at that point, we at Smite Club Open would have been a qualifying if we had gotten approval. That's the one thing I'm concerned about is mm-hmm. where's the transparency from a TO standpoint of I put my application in, what do I have to do? Um, if there's too many in, for example, we, we, we have a lot of tournaments to compete with between California and Texas, which are all driving distance. Um, well, they go, yeah, we got enough in this area. Thanks, but no thanks. It's not that your event's bad. We just, we need to spread it out to make sure there's, there's not enough events in the Southeast, for example, or don't know, yeah. you know, it's, it's always one of those, uh, how do they figure it out? And, um, it's a little vague for me right now. Yeah, again, we'll just have to actually see how it plays out. Yep. One last thing, uh, you touched on it earlier. Those are those players that hop from codex to codex, faction to faction, trend to trend. And then there's the rest of us who uh, do the opposite. They've been playing the same faction since uh, 1931. Guess what? Your efforts in loyalty may be rewarded. Uh, Best in faction awards will be given out at qualifying events. So specifically, best in faction is now better than ever and we'll be earning uh, exclusive badges for winners at participating qualifiers. At participating champions of tabletop qualifiers, each faction with the current codex will be recognized. The player with the best record uh, running is purely composed of that codex. They will receive a best in faction badge of honor, and they can show that off for the rest of the season and earn additional perks at frontline gaming events. All frontline gaming events except Cruise Hammer and any team events will be awarding a best in faction as well as any of the champions of qualifying partner events. Yep. So it is it is definitely a reward for someone like me where I aim to play a single faction for the entire season with a little bit of dabbling on the side in the local leagues and stuff like that. But this entire season, I wanted to go to every single event as Custodes, and I have done that. So I'm currently not in running for best in faction for Custodes because there are a whole bunch of better Custodes players than me. But if I were to, let's say out of 100 people, only like 20 people showed up as Custodes. If I want that recognition, I don't have to beat 100 players. I just have to beat 19 other people. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I think you're um, shooting, you're kind of putting yourself down a little bit because one of the problems is custodes were hot 
beginning of the year when we're, we were talking Dachmund. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that was, it's been, some people have been a little frustrated with is, well, who are the top players now, like under the current Nephilim missions? Because there's certain codices, uh, mine included, there's not as nearly as many players playing that, that, you know, the new hotness has come and gone. And now those codices have been put out the pasture. So those who are, you know, sticking with it and doing well with it, why aren't they being rewarded? They're still catching up with a guy that hasn't played that codex in seven months and has no intentions of playing it again. So there's one regard. Yeah. Am I going to catch up in ITC points? It's kind of hard. Now I'm going to individual events. Yeah, you're right. I don't have to beat the entire field and every you know, custodes player in the world. I just have to beat the ones that are showing up today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes there is the weird conundrum of like, we all know that one guy that's going to show up for funsies to have beer and brings a warlord Titan. Oh, absolutely. I'm bringing dark Mechanicus. I'll find a way to make it an army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of thing where it rewards someone showing up and going, no, I like this faction for X reason. Sure, there are 75 other people at this event that are playing this faction too because it's a really good faction, but I like it because of X reason. And if that person ends up being the best person, like the not the best general and not the best, okay, you're now best in faction. Ta-da, you're recognized. It's pretty cool. And then something like that was one of my goals early in the season. I know when um, early on, a lot of folks were like, you should splash in some craft world into your list, or you should, you know, look at the traveling players. And it wasn't clear at that point if I included the Harlequin Patrol, would that exclude me from top Drukari player? It's like, no, I'm not going to risk it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and go for a best Drukari player, keep moving forward. And um, so now I feel like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I'm ready to to move forward with that. And uh, but I think they need to clarify what are the qualifying. Factions. Granted, the season hasn't started yet, so I don't expect it today, but hopefully before January 1st, because there's some hobby time, because there's some question of whether Anari, because in the past Anari was a separate faction, now it's rolled into a craft world. Is that a separate um, faction award? Same thing with some of the Space Marines. I mean, if you're Blood Angels, is are you a is there a separate Blood Angels event uh, award versus a to see? supplement to the space marine codex who knows you know those are things that need to cleaned up yeah and that will all come in time with FLG growing this qualifier thing and seeing how they diversify the attention that they give to the player base because when you this this is going to take a minute but when you look at the entire ranking listing it is over 10,000 yeah. some someone like me who sure in custodes i'm 126 whereas in overall ranking i'm i am 1404th <laughs> i am literally a drop in the bucket i am a guppy in a sea of whales like i don't exist at the how do you give someone like me or ray or even you eric the recognition of showing up and being the only custodes Shukari, or whatever army ray decides to play that day at that event at that moment <laughs> he might switch by game to day two <laughs> yeah sorry ray we love you i don't think i've ever played him i take that back i think once i played him in consecutive games where he played the same army not like the same list literally the same faction <laughs> but yes it i see some 
I see some silver lining. I see some dark clouds with this, and we'll just have to see how it all rolls out. Yeah, because it can be good, it can be bad. We'll just have to see. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza, decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from reddukegames.com, and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR Cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your uh, armies, then look no further than KR Cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes, and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extermination Podcast. So other dark clouds forming, just real quick, uh, like my segue. Uh, this uh, whole tarot card thing that uh, keeps showing up on the community page for uh, I forgot the name of it, not Dark Omens um, what is it called? That is in fact top of the page Roberto uh, the, arc, the Arcs of Omen Arcs of Omen, so you can see I was less than enthused when this thing first came out I just kind of went, eh, this is a placeholder for, you know until they come out with 10th edition, blah 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 we've done boarding actions before this is a retread, blah I don't know. Now I'm 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 on my pins and heels. What's the next card? Because uh, they've already released two of the uh, tarot cards as a way of oh, tarot mm-hmm. cards, excuse me, to uh, give a preview of what's going on, and um, I'm intrigued. Yep, it is definitely interesting because the first one was ambiguous. It was the galaxy. So, I mean, it's 40k. The galaxy is burning. It's always in trouble. Like, whoop de diddly When you get to the second card, which is the Despoiler, which me not being a savant in chaos and knowing all of my big bads by their titles, is Abaddon the Despoiler. Would be, the, would be literally the translation. But why would Abaddon be sitting in a golden throne, wearing golden armor, and bearing the tools of 
the other the four chaos gods as if they were trophies instead of like um because when you think about it abaddon is effectively a a servant to chaos he kind of bends to the chaos god's whim the only person who didn't do that was horus because horus gained their blessings and was their champion <coughs> archeon the ever chosen yeah it'd be interesting to see how this all plays out because like i said the initial rollout to me was kind of like well they're, they're using space hulks to attack planets and i'm like first of all that's an orc thing not a chaos thing what what does this mean but now they're they're insinuating there's some sort of is there a chaos equivalent to the Golden Throne? Is Abaddon going to get on the Golden Throne? What's going on here? This this sounds... It's got me more interested than uh, the the Awakening that's neither psychic nor Awakening. So let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely also because of the fact that they've pointed out that, hey, there's... Someone actually made a good record. The model that they had the silhouette of when they were showing off the people that were manufacturing or hijacking the space hulks mm -hmm. could potentially be the scale of a dark mechanicus it's a little scrawny because of the fact that it's dark mechanicus it's more machine than man but who in their right mind would put anything would put wings on anything in the dark mechanicus when it's all tendrils and claws and pointy bits I'm excited for it. I love anything Dark Mechanicus at this point. Yeah, like, to be honest, the Dark Mechanicus hype, I know nothing about the Dark Mechanicus, but the the idea of a dark and grungy and very spiteful Admech, I would totally play the crap out of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. I, this, the whole idea of these, we're going to create a machine, and then we're going to throw a demon inside it. And then it's just like, what? <laughs> it's just so cool sounding. And um, even in the Chaos Knight Codex, they have the Infernal Households sound. You know, I know there's, they're hard to take in a splash, you know, when you just take a single knight. But there's some really cool stuff in there. And that, it just reminds me, what, what got me into 40K was uh, the old Epic game. And the, the uh, Chaos Titans were just these, mm -hmm. you know, you had the cool, you know, shiny knight-looking... Uh, Imperial Titans, and then you had what looked like a monster spurting out of them. Those were the Chaos Titans. Mm -hmm. I was like, those are so much cooler. Yeah, which at this point, Eric, you will love the little flavorful bit that I had to do some research on to understand. You're familiar with the Subjugator Titan, right? Oh, yes, it's my favorite. That actually is a Slanesh boon that you can pay for to put into one of your knights. <laughs> So they get the soul of that shoved into a night chest. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm surprised they haven't come out with that, because that actually, in Epic, was the smallest Titan in the game. and uh, But it was super fast, and it was a close combat type thing. And it would be, I'd say it might even be somewhere between a uh, war dog and a current knight today. They were, they were on the smaller side, but they were super fast, and... Mm -hmm. um, Basically had a, a mega size Doom Siren and then these crazy claws on the side. They were really, really cool. But yeah, it's overall the this Arcs of Omen thing, plus what they're doing at the big narrative event for GW. Yeah. I think overall this is going to tie into a really solid narrative growth of 40k. 
Yeah, the short version is, I know we're a competitive podcast. You're like, why are you talking about Crusade? Why would I care? This is why you need to care. And I, this is courtesy of Preferred Enemies Podcast, or the ones who uh, informed me of this, because they're at the Kansas City event and um, their hometown. And they went to the, the Crusade event there. So here's what happens. When you sign up for the Crusade event in Santa Fe, you pick your side. It's typical like any uh, global campaign, but it's going to be at the one show, you know, kind of. You're allowed to take a special character that is designed specifically for this event. Depending on what happens at the event, that'll become canon when they the models are released as part of a campaign pack later in the year. Yeah, that's a humongous thing for someone like me where I come up with all kinds of crazy lore for my own characters that only matters to me. It doesn't matter for anything else but being able to go yes my shield captain of blah 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 totally not constantine valdor totally helped this general to get from one side of the galaxy to the other like that would be amazing <laughs> yeah and to think that okay that crazy six that i rolled on turn five you know does make the you know so i was able to make that feel no pain at the most critical moment to hold the objective that could swing an entire story that everyone's going mm-hmm. to remember whoever buys that book that is so cool i mean it, it makes me want to like okay let me uh, pick up the crusade rules again let me uh, reread mm-hmm. these again well like uh an, a match played game i had the other day was against orcs and guess who showed up gazgul mag Thraka. he showed up and he just tore my army apart picked up a unit of custodians he beat over trajan valoris he was pushing himself through my army. And imagine the narrative flare of a flash, an explosion happened from where Gazgul was as a Cleus is firing Overwatch as Gazgul is charging in. AKA, I killed Gazgul in Overwatch because he, he had one wound left. <laughs> but then you can't find Gazgul and the Cleus is smashed to bits. Like, what happened? That kind of narrative thing is would be so much fun to have actually put into the game and know that you were actually a part of it. So super, super cool. So we'll look forward to that, that event coming up. Uh, in the meantime, we have three events over the weekend we need to get to. Yeah, yeah, we do. So where are we starting first, Eric? Well, let's start in San Antonio. I heard things are bigger in Texas. Yeah, true. This one, um, I'm. it's okay. It's 61 people. It could have been bigger, but I mean. It would have been a qualifying so... event. But, uh, <laughs> so. The, the top five of the San Antonio shootout, we have Sam Cook with Death Guard. We have Kit Smith-Hana Tyranids. We have George Bobkov with just generic chaos. We have Colin McDade with Sisters. I think he finally settled on Army after. I, he was playing Harlequins earlier, this oh, year, yeah. wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He's been hard playing Harlequins also most of 8th. So I was surprised he switched. And then we have Johnny Velasquez. Hey, haven't seen him in a while. Yep, Chaos Space Marines, and I'm going to say Creation's Bow. I was right. Let me guess. A uh, large block of Terminators, two large blocks of uh, Possessed, Abaddon, and some Sprinkles. Um, blah, blah, blah. It's a single battalion, Demon Prince, well, Flying Demon Prince, an Apostle, Mass Possessions, 30 Cultists, 5, 10, 15 Terminators. Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven chosen, a master of executioners, and one unit of ten possessed, and then five raptors, two venom crawlers, and a unit of a havoc. So this is sort of the what they call the the next evolution of the, the you take Abaddon out, and then when you free up those 
create that amount, that large block of points, you can do things like adding chosen on top of possessed. Um, not sure about mm -hmm. the Venom Crawlers. I like them, especially with the Master Possession, but uh, um, I've heard mixed reviews from other players. I'm trying to get the, the scoop, how good they really are. But uh, this seems to be the new trend, leaving Abaddon out all of a sudden. Yeah, thinking of the Venom Crawlers, I think the reason why they have two is because of redundancy. So you can have one follow around the Master of Possessions and the Demon Prince, and one of them can just kind of wander off and be something for your opponent to mess with, because the, the Chaos Terminators are also all Chaos Undivided. The Chosen are Marked, mm. and then the Possessed... Um, they don't have a mark because they're possessed. But that is still 15 wounds of Terminators and then four, five, six, 14 wounds of Chosen on top of the 30 wounds of Possessed. Do you know how hard that is going to be to chew through? Like, Abaddon was just annoying because you could leave him alone and chip away three damage every... You, you can't do that against this. You need to pick up Terminators and pick up Possessed in a hurry. That's not something you do. So yeah, yeah. I think that's one reason why I think people are moving to this as well. Is yeah, it's a big block to move. Uh, they can do more things. Um, it's pretty nasty. I mean, I don't have an answer for it now. That's for sure. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of looking to go. Oh, you've all this armor and armor content on top of it. Oh, okay, great. Right. <laughs> yeah, but definitely a a chaos filled top five there in San Antonio. Yeah, poor uh, Colin with his sisters, the the lone bright spot of the Imperium. Yeah, yeah. So I think we are perfectly fine to hop over to Old Town Domination over in Pasadena. Pasadena, California. Yep. So top five here, we have Kyle Perry with Eldar. We have Joshua Jean with Zinch. Just the Zinch key with this man plays so many different things in chaos and clowns and i appreciate his his resilience of practicing everything until he realizes that yeah no no i need to play something else now <laughs> yeah he was all craft world earlier in the year so and then in third place we have jeff pool with tau and then in second place we have mr ben jurek the war boss himself of smite club with goffs dropping a a single game round four, that, that looked kind of rough. I'll have to look at... Oh, he lost to the guy who won the event, Mr. Alex Kostuik with Farsight Enclaves. All right, then. Interesting. I'd be curious to see... Can you pull up the Farsight Enclaves? This is also the same trend, because I've been hearing ever since the nerf to Crisis Suits, the idea is to take Max out on Commanders and then add Riptides. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's doing that. So in Farsight, it's a, it's a Fireblade, actual commander Farsight, a Cold Star commander. Do, 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 do. I don't know. It always sounds like a cheap beer to me. <laughs> oh, the Cold Star Battlesuit? <laughs> yeah. And then we have 30 Carnivores. We have... He still has two pretty big bricks of Crisis Suits. Right. Um, right. Each with some Burst Cannons and some Ion Blasters. Then he has... A unit of self recruit hounds, a single riptide, and your favorite couple of bombers. Uh, I'm just gonna keep rubbing that in your face, Eric, because it makes me laugh. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was trying to work in the bombers into my list the other day, and I was like, "What's the point?" <laughs> <I'm> so mad. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Anyway, okay, so it's not the list I thought it would be, but interesting. Okay, still has a lot of the hallmarks that we've seen in previous lists, but um, hey, um, I'd be curious to see how that matched up. That's uh, against Ben, but also just in general, Benny just really ran the field, and it's you're seeing a little more far sides lately, so pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So to touch on Josh's list, this list actually looks really fun because it is Mark of Zinch. It's literally. If Abaddon decided to go, hmm, I feel like being blue today because Abaddon's in there. But it's 12 Zinch Flamers, Fate Skimmer for a Z- a demon of like a Gen- a, a, a Zinch demon detachment. There we go. And then um, nine Scarab Terminators, then one T Rubric Marie, an Infernal Master, a Sorcerer, and Armin. This is literally like, hey, where'd Magnus go? I don't know. Let's go find him. He's probably in a library. <laughs> Oh my god. Yes, way to go, Josh, playing that. That looked like you probably had a bunch of fun this weekend playing that. It does sound like a lot of fun. Sounds like a very busy psychic phase as well. Yeah, I would have a headache just doing that because, yeah, no, I I custode. I don't... You don't do psychic phase. <laughs> nope. Not one bit. Speaking of, we are going to hop all the way north to Denver. I mean, it's not that far of a hop, but it's still Denver. <laughs> At the Fight Club. I mean, we're breaking rule number one, Eric. We're talking about Fight Club. That's true. I was breaking the second roll at the same time. Yeah, yeah, true. But in fifth place, we have Stephen Corrales with Emperor's Children. In fourth place, we have Matt Evans with Tyranids. In third place, we have Cody Giroux with Drakari. In second place, we have Zach Kerstetter playing Blood Angels. And first place, we have Travis Armstrong playing with Custodes. Yeah! Yeah, there we go. Custodes back on top. I was also happy to see... uh... In second place there, he kind of backed up his um, previous win. It kind of came out of nowhere to win the GW Open. And people were like, who is this guy? Well, I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm not a flash in the pan. I'm, I'm here to win. So mm-hmm. nice to see back-to-back uh, major events. He's able to uh, top top three. So very nicely done. Yep. And similar scenario that ran into Ben losing to the Farside Enclaves. Zach only lost to Travis. And, you know, if you're going to lose to somebody, that's the guy to lose to. So nicely done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the trend for Custodes is definitely, here, bring Dreadnoughts, because Dreadnoughts are real, real good. But I can't play Dreadnoughts. I'm just bad at it. You know, it's funny, when I see Dreadnoughts, my eyes just kind of cringe. I'm like, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do against these things. You're going to shoot at them a lot, and they're probably going to die. <laughs> no, that's the problem. They don't die. That's the problem. <laughs> I yep, shoot that. them, and they go, they're like, they have, they have a what save? A damage reduction? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they kind of do that. Uh, I remember how to, to going into LVO that one year when Iron Hands were hot. I was just like redesigning my list. I was like, I will not lose to Iron Hands. <laughs> and I got lucky because I went up against Iron Hands three times that weekend. <laughs> three and oh. I was like, yes. <laughs> or when, when I went up against Tyranids, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I was ready for this. <laughs> like, uh, what? Yeah, it's like, what? What is Carnifex affected by Haywire? No? Oh, okay. Oh, sure? <laughs> but yes. Congrats to all the top five participants. It's not it's not easy going into the top five of an event, which leaning into the qualifier thing of like you win a larger event. Because I'm pretty sure all of those had just over fifty-eight players. Yeah, they won't generally try to cover the larger events that would be considered qualifiers, of course, you know, meaning all the other criteria as well. So a couple of events we didn't talk about real quick. There were six events in Australia. Uh, there was an event in Israel. There was two events in Germany, three events in Sweden. 
uh, truly international weekend. Another one in Norway, another one in Denmark, uh, several in England as well. Two in Scotland. One of was an RTT that was won by Ines Wilson. So we'll see if that affects the uh, ITC top 10. So just, you know, due to time constraints, we can't get to every event, but um, we do want to note the top players that are those particular events. So congratulations to all the winners there. Uh, moving on, let's talk about that IC top 10. Let's see if there's finally some updates. Dun, dun, dun. This is me flipping to the screen, hoping my computer doesn't break I down. <laughs> I think there's a, a little bit. It doesn't look like it on my screen because I already had it up because internet magic. I was hoping it updated while we were talking. It did not. Anyway, the ITC, as of the this uh, recording, uh, is uh, top 10. In 10th place, Ines Wilson. I have to double check to see if that uh, RTT did affect the score or not. Ninth place, Nassim Fushan. 8th place, Mike Porter. 7th place, Colin McDade. 6th place, Manny Chima. 5th place, Thomas Ogden. 4th place, David Gaylard. Number 3, John Lennon. Number 2, Vic Vijay. And in the top spot, still with 1,464 points, Jack Harpster. He's got roughly a 42 point, excuse me, 22-point lead over Vic Vijay for the top spot. And um, so I'd be curious to see how that shakes up right before LVO. Not sure if Vic is going to make the trip across the pond to make it to Las Vegas this year. But um, be curious to see how it all pans out in the last, we're down to the final two months. I can't believe it. So Yeah, it's it's going to be a really, really tight race. Because with if Vic doesn't make it from the UK over here, that will give john and david mainly john because if john performs really well and if jack's heart like the issue is going to be is because i believe jack harpster and john are both on the yeah they're both on the art of war team so at that point it's <laughs> it's going to be a can someone on the not art of war to usurp either jack or john if vic doesn't to break down the math because i think thomas ogden has a chance I have to figure that out. Um, that's something I can do off the top of my head. Same thing. Uh, Colin's got even a more outside chance. He is 20 points behind Thomas. Harpster is at 463. Doing math on the air is very entertaining. Uh, so, yeah, Colin McDean's about 90 points behind. It's, uh, I mean, something drastic. But he, he'd need some help. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it would It'd have to be something like... In round one, if Jack got paired into Colin, Colin would have to beat Jack, therefore essentially knocking Jack out of contention for winning LVO, but not usurping him from winning the IT. Because then Jack would have to go into another game and lose that one too, because that's he doesn't get the undefeated bonus that exists in the points calculator, and he doesn't at he he falls he stumbles a little. Whereas at that point, Colin just kind of skips two steps on him like it's it is going to be if anyone below fifth place wants to win this the other people above are going to have to slip up majorly and go like four and two worth yeah i think the simpler way to say it is if uh either john or jack do not make the shadow round then yeah it's, then it's wide open but i think if they make the shadow round they've got at least the season championship under wraps yeah which i fully expect both john and jack to make if not Day three automatically, they'll make the shadow round. Yeah. But we'll do a little research uh, before then, and uh, so we can speak to that a little more definitively. 
So that is our show, show 250. Unbelievable. It has flown by. And um, from our humble beginnings to our state-of-the-art studio that we have now, <laughs> we're joking. Um, but um, it's been a lot of fun and look forward to another 250 moving forward. So um, just really excited for the upcoming year. We'll make a few changes as we go through. We're going to take a little bit of a break next week uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday, and uh, we'll be back uh, fully stuffed like a, the turkey and um, ready to talk a little more turkey about all things 40K in the final six, seven weeks of the uh, championship. Going to be a lot of fun. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, indeed. So uh, be safe over the holiday. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Uh, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminus podcast for the 250th time. Yeah.